The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Open your Bible, if you will, to the 15th chapter of the book of Proverbs, and in a moment we'll look at one verse here, but before we do that, let me preface that by saying two quick things to you. One is that in your prayer time this week particularly, I hope that you'll be aware of the fact that all Alabama Baptists across the state are going to be gathering in our area this coming Sunday, uh, this coming week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, at the Lakeside Church up on the edge of Birmingham. And they will appreciate your prayers, and you're welcome to attend any session there, Monday all day, Tuesday all day, until noon, Wednesday. And we'll certainly be praying for Dr. Lance as he leads us, and for others. You may remember a few years ago, your pastor was president of this group. The second thing that I want to fix in your mind before we look at the scripture is two weeks from today we will have a special guest here, a veteran missionary who spent the bulk of his life in Vietnam as your missionary sharing the gospel of Christ there for several scores of years. His name is Dr. Sam James. He later came and helped lead a part of our uh, International Mission Board, and he's a dear friend. I've heard him preach several times, and I will look forward to introducing him. I'll be here, but two weeks from today, November the 23rd, he will be here, and what we're going to be doing that day is moving our attention into the focus we'll have in the closing weeks of this year in the month of December. We'll be focusing, obviously, on Christmas music and Christmas events, but all of this in the context of world missions. Maybe this thought will arrest itself in your mind and you can just hold on to it. The last time I checked, and I'm sure it's not very different now, 94% of the world lives outside the United States of America. If you've ever got caught in traffic over here on Highway 280, you may think everybody lives in Alabama, but they don't. 94% of the world lives outside of the United States, most of whom have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about that in the month of December. Uh, before I became your interim pastor, your church had already set a world mission goal for the Light of Moon Christmas offering, we've called it, but actually it's an offering Southern Baptists all over the nation take and every dollar goes. Not one penny is diverted to administrative costs or anything. 100% of our dollars goes to help support nearly 5,000 what we've called foreign missionaries, international missionaries. All over the globe, we hold the financial lifeline for them, and the gift that we give will be joined with other churches like ours, and all together, that will provide over half of the budget for the International Mission Board. So I hope that you'll be prepared to start thinking and praying two weeks from today 
as we move into this special time of the life of our church. And as you think about Christmas, two things I'd say. Remember whose birthday it is. And my wife and I, for a long time, have always made our largest Christmas gift, our birthday gift to Jesus through the Light of Moon Christmas offering. And I would challenge you to think about doing that. I'm not playing God for you, but together, if each of us make a sacrificial gift, a sacrifice is foregoing something for yourself in order that you might do something for somebody else, we'll reach more than 52,000 and help say to our missionaries, we love you, we thank you, we're praying for you. Now look with me, if you will, at the first verse in Proverbs chapter 15 and pay very close attention to these verses out of the wisdom book of Proverbs. The first verse we look at, verse 1, Proverbs 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Before you blow your stack this week, think about that. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Then look a little deeper into the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Just stay away from them. A third verse in this wonderful book of wisdom, verse 11, Proverbs 29. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise man keeps himself under control. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise man keeps himself under control. And then in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, two verses that I want you to look at here. One is verse 26, and the other, the last two verses of the chapter. Verse 26 in the King James, it says this, be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. The NIV puts it this way. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. It doesn't say don't get angry. It just says don't hold on to it. Don't let the sun settle, set while you're still angry. And then look down at verse 31. And you'll find there that Paul gives six words that describe our anger. He says, get rid of, like a dirty cloth, a dirty clothing, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Forgiving each other just as God forgave you. Uncontrolled anger has doubtlessly hurt more people and caused more broken hearts 
and more broken homes and more broken relationships than any other single sin we can think of this morning. Uncontrolled anger has ravished our world. And you're aware of that. You and I know oftentimes that is the case. And the truth of the matter is, most of us have been guilty of this at times. If you've never gotten angry, you can go to sleep now and forget this sermon. But if I say you're sleeping, I'll know what happened. You're that person here today that never has gotten angry. No, we all do. Now, with that in mind, keep in mind also that you and I need to understand most of the time, if we, we can control our actions easier than we can, our reactions. If you let me control the circumstances, most of the time I can act right. That is, I don't get drunk and I don't run around and I don't break in banks and steal and I don't steal my neighbor's automobile. Most of the time we can control our actions easier than we can our reactions, how we reply, how we respond when things get out of our control and our reactions. And yet that's where our real Christian faith, the maturity of our faith shows up, how we react to things. Now, if you want a sentence that I want you to hold on to for this little sermon, here it is in a nutshell. Listen to it carefully. You can tell the size of a person by what it takes to make them angry. You can tell the size of a person by what it takes to make them angry. I read just recently, a man came to Birmingham from out of state, I believe he was New England somewhere, and he had some traverse checks and he wanted to cash them. And he went into a savings loan association up in Birmingham and they had a policy that if you didn't have an account with them, they would not cash your traveler's checks. He became so irate, so angry, the paper said he went outside and tried to burn the building down. Now, can you imagine? Angry. I'll just burn it down. Of course, they arrested him. Now, how foolish. Uncontrolled Anger. Now, that's an extreme illustration, but many of you have got testimonies in your own mind, in your own life, of people who've been just about that idiotic over the inability to control their anger. Three things I want to fix in your mind quickly this morning. Number one, the reality of anger. We'll look at what it is and where it comes from. Number two, the results of anger. What happens when we get angry? And number three, the remedies, most important, the control, the, what we can do to help remedy this terrible emotion that has damaged more lives and more relationships than maybe any other thing, the deadly danger of anger. First of all, the reality of it. And to do talk about this, we've got to talk about what it is. Now, you may have your own definition of it. Let me give you my working definition of what anger is. Anger is that negative emotion we all experience whenever we encounter any obstacle to what we want or need or expect. One more time. It's that negative emotion we all experience 
whenever we encounter any obstacle, any resistance to what we want or need or expect. Now, if that's too big a definition for you, anger is how you act when you don't get your way. Oh, yeah, preacher, I know what you're talking about now. Well, that's what it is. Anger is how we act when we don't get our way. Now, where does it come from? Well, you don't have to go very far in the Bible to find where it comes from. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. You remember that first murder? Cain killed his own what? Brother, Abel. First murder in the Bible. Out of anger and jealousy. And so, boom, he kills his own brother. Now, where'd Cain get that, that emotion of anger? I'll tell you where he got it from. He got it from his mama, Eve, you know, not Adam, Eve. No, no, no. He got it from his aunts, from his mama and his daddy. Where do we get our bent toward being angry? We get it genetically. We get it because we're part of the human race, and the human race has fallen and depraved. And so Adam and Eve passed it on to Cain. Cain in turn killed Abel, and every human being since then has had a fallen nature and we see it at times manifesting itself in anger. Now, if you don't understand this, or don't believe this, you've never had a child in your family. We've had two of them in our family. And both of them were just like their mama. No, no, both of them were just, they got angry. You know, some babies, they don't like to be put on their stomach. You lay a little newborn baby on their stomach who's just a few months old and they twist and they twirl and they turn and then the minute after they, they can't yet have strength to turn over so they, they twist and turn and then finally you go in there and you turn <laughs> you must have done it I would ask you all that yeah where did it come from their fallen nature you don't have to teach a baby to get angry. They just do it by nature. You did it. I did it. Now, so it's a part of our fall. It's a part of who we are when we're born into this world. And it's bigger than what you and I can take care of by ourselves. Or we would have already done it. Now, don't leave here and say the preacher said a little baby's going to hell because he cries on his stomach. I didn't say that. But sometimes we talk about them like they're darling little angels and they're more like little demons. You know that and I know that. And all that is a commentary upon the fact they are just like their mother and just like their daddy. Now, so much for the reality of anger. What about the results of anger? What happens when people get angry? Well, you know what I'm talking about. You've all experienced it. When you think in your own life, there's some practical results, there's some emotional results, there's some physical results. The practical results that come to my mind is personal losses. This is a very unusual audience of many of you here have not lost a friend over anger. Sometimes friend against friend get angry and they just, they lose a friendship all over anger. Sometimes we lose respect. We try to teach our children self-discipline, self-control. And Junior says, but daddy, what about you when you lose your temper? Mom, what about you when you blow your stack? And our children may not put it publicly, but inwardly, 
they laugh at us when we talk about being keeping under control and they see us lose control and invent our anger. We can lose the respect of our children. You can lose your job over anger. I have a dear friend who is president of a leading seminary in a distant state. He got fired several years ago. Why? He could not control his anger. He lost his job. He's not the only one. Maybe you know people that have lost their job because on their job, boom, they blew their stack and they got angry. One of the leading football players in our state has played several games because he had a confrontation with the coach. And he said some things he ought not to have said. He got angry. He couldn't control it. He confronted some negative emotion he had when he confronted an obstacle to whatever he thought or wanted. We lose respect, we lose our job. I cannot begin to tell you the marriages I know that are on the garbage dump today, all because one or both could not control their anger. And you're a very unusual audience of sitting here this morning. They're not some of us who've been plagued, who've been who've been injured by a vicious word, by a thoughtless deed done in the fit of anger. But once we say it, you can't retract it. It's done. And the damage is done. And marriages at times have been stretched and stretched and stretched until finally one says, no more. I'm out of here. Over what? A-N-G-E-R. Say that loud. Anger, the deadly danger of anger, practically all these losses we talk about. Emotionally, I've learned in preparation for this sermon some things I did not know. Maybe I should have, but I did not know. Some personality disorders that people have today and struggle with, particularly the emotion of, dis of depression, and there are thousands of people all over our world that live every single day in a state of depression. Psychologists and psychiatrists have now discovered that when they pull back all the layers in that personality and get down to the root cause, oftentimes it's unresolved anger. Now don't leave it and say, Charles Carter said, if you're depressed, it's because you got angry. I didn't say that. But psychologists say oftentimes, not all the time, oftentimes, the cause of depression, that mood that stays and stays and stays like a black cloud, it's caused by depression. It's got, depression is caused by unresolved anger. So emotionally, sometimes we have a personality disorder because of anger. Physically, sometimes people lose their job, their marriages, their friends, their respect. But then physically, their losses because of anger. What I'm talking about is murder. An interesting thing, if you'll do the study, is this. Most murders in America today are not committed stranger to stranger. Somebody just comes up, boom! They don't know you, they just shoot you because they didn't like the color of your hair or something. Most murders are not committed by stranger to stranger, but instead, it's so-called friend to so-called friend. It's spouse to spouse. 
It's neighbor to neighbor. It's acquaintance to acquaintance. And in the fit of anger, they do something and pay for it oftentimes the rest of their life. Why? Why? Uncontrolled anger that has caused them to do something in the moment that causes, has consequences that last a lifetime. Well, enough has been said. You know, as well as I, the devastating results of anger, the deadly danger of anger, that negative emotion when we don't get our way and we don't control it. And therefore, we see the damage quickly in closing. And let me say just a word about the remedies for anger. And I don't think that I'm coming to you if you'll write down these notes and remember what's on the screen that you won't have any more problem with anger. It's not that at all. I promise you, it's not that simple. But there are some things we can do to help remedy the anger. And the first one is a negative one. Negatively, don't sublimate it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't act like there's no such thing as anger. You know, some people think, well, as a Christian, you're just not supposed to get angry. That's not in the Bible. Even Jesus got angry. We'll come to that in a minute. So don't feel like the if you're a Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, loving Christian, you just don't ever get angry. You just smile at everything and nobody ever, ever makes you mad. You're going to keep it inside. Don't sublimate it. That's foolish. That will present problems to you and to those around you. Just don't sublimate it or or pretend that it's not there. Let me give you a ludicrous illustration. In my part of the city of Birmingham, where we live, the garbage is picked up every Monday and Thursday. And so my job as a part of our family is every Sunday night after church and every Wednesday night after church, I take out the garbage. Aren't you proud of me? I take it out, take it out the street. Now let's just suppose that I just went crazy. And I said to myself, you know, we're Christians. I'm the preacher. We're not supposed to have garbage. What are the neighbors going to think if they think the preacher's got junk and garbage and filth and and his house, and he takes it out on the street. So I said, I'm not going to do that. So I just shove it in the closet. Every week, more goes in. Finally, after two or three weeks, a foul odor begins to fill our house. My wife said, what in the world is that odor? What do I smell around here? I say, oh, honey, it's the garbage. The garbage? Yeah, I put it in the, in the closet. You know, we're Christians. I'm the preacher. We're not supposed to have junk like that outside. Get it out of here. So, to do what she says, I take a match. I light a fire to the garbage right there in the closet and burn the house down. Now, you say, you're crazy. You're stupid, and you're right. But that's what people do with their anger sometimes. They, they shove it in the sublimate it, subjugate it, pretend it's not there, and then all of a sudden, boom, it erupts. And they destroy themselves or they destroy people around them. Don't do that. That's the foolish thing, to ignore it, to pretend that there is no such thing as anger. It's there. Now, what can we do? Number one, confess your anger. Acknowledge it. 
admit it, whatever word you want to use. I'm not talking about to somebody else. I'm talking about to yourself to just say, can I be very practical? Certain things make me angry. Now, you know what they are. <coughs> You'd have to fill in the blanks. But there are certain things that just make you angry. They might not make me angry, but they make you angry. Certain people make you angry. They don't sit there like you don't know what I'm talking about. They're just some people, you just, just being around them, they just make you angry. You, you can hardly be in their presence. They don't talk about something or say something and they just irritate you. Stay away from those things. Stay away from those people. Just acknowledge the fact certain things do make you angry. Certain people make you angry. And the sensible thing to do is I will stay away from that as best I can. Secondly, consider it or acknowledge it. Anger. That is, think and evaluate it yourself, its meaning. Paul gives a very extended definition of it there in Ephesians 4.31 when he talks about brawling and anger and all malice, all six of these things he describes. Now, there are two words used here for the word, our English word, anger. One is the word O-R-G-E, orge. That word means sedentary anger. You know, some people, they get angry and they just brood. And the longer they sit there and chew on it, the more they think about it, the matter they get. They don't express it. They just, they just, they just bawling on the inside, we say sometimes. That's sedentary kind of anger. Other people, they get mad, angry. You better watch out. Boom! They are stack-blowing anger. That's the other word here. Thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S. It's almost what these students would call an onomatopoetic word. It's a word that expressed the meaning almost in the pronunciation of it. Thumos. It's people who blow their stack at the shortest provocation. And there are all kinds. Some of us may be more sedentary, but the damage is still there. Others may be stack-blowing kind of anger. It still hurts. So acknowledge it, think about it, evaluate which is your particular dimension and problem. And then Paul says, just get rid of it. You say, well, that's not easy. You can't do it by yourself. No, you can't. But you remember what Paul said? I've been crucified in verse, uh, uh, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but listen to this, Christ lives in me. That's an astounding statement, Galatians 2.20. Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, what do we do? We let him help us to keep these things under control. And that leads me to the third thing. Number one, confess it. Just acknowledge, I've got a problem. Number two, acknowledge or evaluate, consider it. These dimensions of anger, stack-blowing anger, sedentary anger. But then control your anger. Well, now you say, Brother Carter, if I could do that, I wouldn't need this sermon. No, that's not altogether true. Sometimes people exonerate themselves. They, 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 they think, well, I, I, preacher, you just have to know. 
my Irish background, my red hair, my temperament. I can't control my anger. That's a cop out and you know it and God knows it. You can control it. The Bible says God won't permit you to be tempted above you're able with the temptation will provide the way to escape. Now, whatever you hear me say in this sermon, you can control your anger. Well, I don't know about that preacher. What are you talking about? Well, let me show you how you can. You ever been having a spat in your family? You ever have those? We do, you know. I'm a preacher. We don't always, Janice doesn't always agree with me. She's wrong sometimes. No, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> you have a spat. And the telephone rings in the middle of an argument. Hello? Oh, we're just fine. Now, what are you doing? You're controlling your anger. Or the children walk in when mom and dad are having, having at it. Oh, Junior, come in. Tell your daddy how good he looks today. I wish I could wring his neck. What do we do? We control our anger. It can be done. Some dear friends of mine are here this morning. Mike and Lita Osmond, his mother, Mildred. They didn't know I was going to say this, but I had the job of being a friend to their father and father-in-law and husband. He was a dear friend of mine, but he said to me one day, he said, Preacher, I just can't quit, I just can't keep from cussing. He said, I just, sometimes it just makes me angry, and I just let out profanities. He said, I can't control it. I said, Ed, I've never heard you cuss. Oh, I wouldn't do it around you. I said, then you can control it. Just my big there, you bring it under control. Now, I don't know that he ever completely controlled it, but he got better. Now, what am I saying? When our children walk in, we control it. When somebody calls us on the phone, we control it. Somebody particular around us, we control it. Now, with God's help, you can control your anger. It can be done. The last thing, channel your anger. Get angry about the right things. Jesus got angry. You remember when they were the money changers there in the temple? When he was getting, he, he drove them out of the temple in John chapter 2. They were desecrating the family of God, the house of God. The scribes and Pharisees who were plotting against him, he said to them, Jesus, the Lamb of God said, you serpent, you bunch of snakes, how are you going to escape the damnation of hell? That's the Jesus that we sing about, we love. He got angry, but notice, notice carefully, he never ever got angry about personal injury. He was always angry about what people were doing that hurt other people. When I see the damages done by pornography and by abortion and by alcohol and by drug addiction, it makes me angry and it ought to. And we can do things legitimately and legally to try to rectify these things. We can channel our anger against the things that ought to make us angry, but not against personal pain. I said at the outset, you can tell the size of a person by what it takes to make them angry. Let me balance that by saying, you can tell the depth of our spiritual maturity by how well we control 
our anger. Would you bow together with us for just a minute? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, thank you for being so attentive, for being here. But now we come to the invitation time. I realize for some people, anger is a worse problem than for others. I want you to know God knows your situation. God knows your personality. God knows the difficulties you face in life. He knows the things that make you angry. He knows the people that make you angry. But now let's not just let this sermon be so much water and ducks back. What are you going to do about it? I hope today you'll say, Dear Lord, I want not to be destroyed by the deadly danger of anger. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my husband, my wife, my children. I want you to let Christ live in me so that I or we can control our anger. Will you talk to the Lord about that for just a minute? Not to me, not to anybody else. Just ask God. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me control my anger. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to say to you, God loves you just like you are. We sang it a moment ago. Just as I am, I come. And this morning, whether your problem is anger or other things, God knows and God cares. He loves you just like you are, but too much to leave you like you are. He wants you to be in a right relation with Him. And the way to do it is to say today, I want to make Jesus Christ number one in my life. Will you do that? If you will, you just slip out from where we'll be standing in just a few seconds and come to one of us here at the front and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Heavenly Father, we do need you, we do want you in our better moments. And we do need to control the deadly danger of anger. If we could do it in our own strength, we would have already done it. We can't. So I pray that you will help us. Let you help us do what we need to do in this issue. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with us? And as we stand, Paul is going to lead us in our hymn. All to Jesus I surrender. The staff will be right here at the front to welcome you on the very first stanza. You come as we sing. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.